welcome. I'm Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. On today's episode, it's another in-house episode where Luke takes over the host duties and I take on the co-host role with Ian. In the media section, we chat about The Shallows, Cloverfield, and spend a good deal of time talking about Blade Runner 2049. For the topic, we continue our foray into our publishing journeys and chat about our insights on the traditional publishing route. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate in contacting me on my email, mailbox, thepenofjoel.com. Thanks. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. We're sitting in Brunswick Street Bookstore. I'm pretty sure I got the name right because I'm not normally the host, so I'm actually hosting our session today. And I'm, that's okay because I'm only sitting here with the, the host and the co-host, so. Hello, Joel, how's, how's things? Sorry, dead I'm just pan. trying to make it it's awkward. Dead it's um, fine. Ah. Ian, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. And uh, Luke, how are you? Good, great. Going great. Well. <laughs> no, we're good. It's good to be here. Uh, hanging out. And Joel? I'm good. There you go. Joel see. gets to sit All in right. the comfy seat today. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Luke. He's falling asleep um, today. I'm good, Luke. Um. <laughs> You did get the title wrong. I did not. Did it's I? The Brunswick Street Bookstore. The Brunswick Street Bookstore. Mm. Well, actually, can you let me do... I can do an impression of Joel opening this. Oh, so no. here we go. Okay. Uh, hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is... Anyway, uh, that's it pretty much, right? Yes. I got like I the intonation as well. Hello and welcome legitimately what I sound like. <laughs> also, you're leaning on the mic I stand. I am. I'm doing the it, whole chill thing You're here. doing the chill thing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm doing good, happy. Luke. I'm doing good. So let me tell you a story. Yes, please do. I was on the train today, mm-hmm. um, as I usually am. And it usually starts like this in a Melbourne story. Yeah, the Melbourne story. Uh, I was on public <laughs> transport. Um, so what do you guys think about people playing music on the train? I'm not talking about like... In their headphones? No, no, no. That, that happens <laughs> That's a lot. That's usually fine. <laughs> as in... Um, Playing a live instrument on a oh. on public transport. What do you think? Do you think it's invasive? Do you think I I want my space in public transport? Uh, in like, I mean, I've heard it done in other countries on subways, and it's been fantastic. People busking, and mm-hmm. you know, brings a kind of a vibe which works really well. You mean if, outside of the, the vehicle or inside the vehicle? In New York, in the subway, a few times, people in there like mm. seen a four part barbershop. You know, I mean, these guys they're doing what they do. But, you know, they at least are respectful and professional, and it sounds good. So, you know what? I think I'll say if it's respectful and professional and it sounds good, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Okay, so the, the issue I have, mm. right, is that I, I like I like people, you know, doing weird things on public transport. I, I once gave a random stranger a book, mm-hmm. my book. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right. Very That's a awkward. weird thing, I get it. I, I do that too. <laughs> if someone put a knife to my chest, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, have my book. Listen, they didn't know it was me. Right, you freely gave it. Yep. Freely gave it. They yep. looked at me very strangely, and uh, yep. I just left, and I never saw them again. Um, <laughs> but no, so this person, this person was playing guitar, mm. and that's fine if he was just playing the guitar. But he was singing, and there's there's like something visceral that happens when someone sings right on a train rather than just playing an instrument if you play an instrument everyone's like oh that's so quaint that looks really cool mm-hmm. if you start singing i noticed this almost 
instant reaction from the carriage. Everyone mm. sort of put their head down or they turned away or really? they felt really awkward. Oh, interesting. I certainly felt really awkward. I was Is like, like loud, loud singing or just no, kind of like that's the worst. If he was loud singing, you could hear what he's saying, but he's like, <laughs> and you could see he was, he was, you know, mm. feeling the pressure. Okay. And every time more people would get on the train, he'd get quieter. Uh, so, right. it, so he started like, you know, reasonable. I could hear what he's saying. And then as more people got on, he got quieter and quieter. Uh, um, <laughs> very awkward situation. Yeah, that, that I, is awkward. Fair mm. enough. It's it's just how things go. I mean... Okay, here's here's yeah. another question. This Would is you probably keep his you... first time, though. I mean, come on. I'm sure he's done it before, but... Really? Hmm. Going so quiet? Okay. Maybe I mean, it's... he got on the train and started playing. I think you'd say lyrics demand our attention. It was attention. a dare. Maybe it's... it was a dare. Words pull your attention. And so it's like when you're at a cafe and, you know... It, I mean, I remember um, my wife when she used to work at a, a clothing shop in, in Christchurch. I remember mm. they used to play like really loud gangster rap, like full on cussing and just the most distracting thing in the world. Shop? Just because they could and it's fine. But, you wow. know, like as soon as it happens, it does distract you. And I think words, uh, you know, they tend to drag our attention. I think also, mm. um, would you take your headphones off? No. See, I made the mistake of being like, I'll be nice. I'll, I'll take the headphones off. Because yeah. I was sitting maybe a seat sitting away from opposite him. him or something like that? Right. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. sitting opposite. You know, in those two chairs, the like the, the wide ones. And on from the then on, he was looking at you. He was. He was, oh. he was. He was looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> the entire. So then I did the whole, like, slowly look away and, like, lean up against the rail. Ah. Out of the problem, aren't you? He's like, oh, he can't hear me. Yeah. There you and go. then he got softer for you some reason. Like, you should, like, nod and, like. <laughs> yeah, good job, man. No one. No one looked at him. Yeah. No one said good job, even when he finished the song. So he just started another one. <laughs> <sighs> End of story. There we go. Well, that was depressing. <laughs> Ian, how's life with you? Well, that, well, today I was on the train playing a song. <laughs> oh, no. There we go. There we, that was good. See? There you go. Come on, that was a good well payoff. Done. We like that. <laughs> anyway, well he just wouldn't look at me. Um, Joel right now is not looking at me. That's okay. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty good. But it's been a it's been a, a good week, and I'm glad to be in in with you guys and doing this again. It's cool. Absolutely, mm. I enjoy sitting in the non-host chair. Mm. See, Joel is like lounging back in oh this my cozy chair. He's, yeah, the eyelids. He's like drifting to sleep. Yes. Mm. Yeah. No, you so if you start hearing him start like muttering, I'll, yeah, uh, you know what's happening. I'll give him a kick, happened. and you'll hear a shout. Mm. It's good. <laughs> but um, hey, that's for myself because yeah, no one asks, but it's fine. Um. It's a thankless job, a (laughs) co-host. You know, it's weird. It's almost as if I'm used to this or something. Mm, Weird. So what have you been up to, Luke? What What have have you been been up up to, to, Luke? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, I've published a book. It's in in the pre-purchase phase. Oh, right. And you guys, when you catch this podcast, Mm. it'll be releasing two days afterwards. So Ah. you'll have two days to catch the pre-purchase before it goes, goes live. There you go. So you can be you yep, can be like one it. of the first people <laughs> to to read the book on release. There, there you go. go. Oh. Type first in the comments. <laughs> first, there <laughs> you go. Yeah, so you can find it on my on my website. There'll be a link on my yeah. Twitter. There's a link. So at the Soul Shard, you can find it. 
And um, put it in there. That's up, good. Look up Flames of Souls Guard if you can't be bothered to. I like to go that. to my there page. You and make if sure you, your first you get... review, you just write in before everyone else. That's yes. yeah. the whole thing, right? <laughs> right. In before. I if you go before. to the yeah, if you go to the US or the UK <laughs> or the Indian or the Japanese Amazon store, you can also get a um, physical copy. Ah. Okay, so explain this to me. Yeah. I didn't know Kindle had a physical copy thing. It's a new feature. Oh, how new? Probably oh, this year, year or something? Yeah, yeah. this year. Wow. Um, they kind of had a beta for quite a while, and then it's now come about. Huh. It's being fully. So how does that work? Because it was Create Space before that, wasn't it? They had Create like Space that. is shutting down. Yeah, yeah. because it's replaced. It is, yeah, it's just so replaced. It's, it's just a replacement. Yeah, they're just pulling Create Space into Amazon is consolidating everything into its behemoth. You know. How so it does. Create Space, <laughs> if I recall this correctly, was a separate company mm. which was got it? pulled oh, okay. into Amazon. Yeah, it's like it's been in orbit, and now they're just pulling it down, basically. Okay. So you now have to publish through Kindle publishing it makes sense it makes sense from their perspective i, w- I will mm. say even from a separate idea looking at create space because i published a book on create space yonks ago um mm. which you can't get anymore that book was really weird because it's you publish on create space but they had a tie-in to kindle and then you go to the kindle select page and then yep. you publish there. It was a clunky system. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a little happy that it's gone, but I'm sure we've lost something good. <laughs> I, I believe that's a summary it's of Amazon's entire existence. Yeah. I'm sure we've lost something good, yeah. but I can't quite put my finger on yeah. what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for physical copies, you can still go to other places like, uh, I don't know what the uh, Lightning something, I don't know what that the, one's called, or Lulu.com. Or There's Lightning quite a source, few. Yeah. I mean, since Print On Demand came about, which is a, like, it's a few years since real print on demand came about i mean it's yeah it's got it's got a lot better um so you find it pretty easy to set up and everything that very yeah yeah uh the preview was fantastic as well it shows wow. you like where the pages line up with the the the, the bind the binding and yeah. everything it's, wow. it's uh even has like a shaded picture to say this is kind of like you know how it'll the cross fit in yeah. with the binding and that's good little, it's, yeah. do they give you a proof coffee no, oh. <laughs> so that would cost money. You got <laughs> yeah, that's one thing they don't do. Yeah, they they give you it's a it's a very they they show you the whole breakdown of how you'll get the money though. It's not too bad either. Mm. It's like the minimum price you can put up for is like well for mine anyways was like four bucks mm. or like three sixty eight or something. Uh, right. If I, if I got no royalties, mm. um, so with four I get like thirty five cents. Mm. I think I'm, I think I put it up for five bucks. I can't remember how much exactly. It, so it's like. It is interesting that um, yeah. that Amazon, in that sense, has really recognised that physical books are still, um, yeah. And I mean, it's not necessarily that I've realised that, but they've they're legitimising the fact that um, physical books are still very much uh, popular. And I mean, we're sitting here in a bookstore surrounded by them. So <laughs> I mean, they bought Book Depository, right? Yep. Like that, and Book Depository is, you know, a go-to for a lot of people. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, the question is, I wonder if. Book depository will go away. Mm. I don't know why it would go away. I think they can just use printer on demand as well. They do, don't they? Mm. Yeah, I but I wonder if they like make it make it the whole you know universal brand of Amazon, right? Yeah, or maybe they're just rebrand. I, I guess if there's still mm. strength in it, they'll, they'll keep yeah. going. I mean, we're, and we're here in Australia. Amazon is, is launching soon, so yeah, exactly. Um, it's yeah, it's finally, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it'll, it'll change be a, things up a bit. It is going to change things up, and I think there's real. Valid concerns. Um, of course, there'll be some concerns that may not come about, but there's real 
valid concerns in the Australian yeah. publishing community about what this Put it values this like we might actually get books with reasonable pricing now. Oh, well. Oh, uh, <clears throat> sorry, we're still yeah. 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 No, look. This <laughs> bookstore re- prices book reasonably. Great. Yes, that's correct. Exactly. <clears throat> I think the, the thing is that um, that Amazon is a, is a typical example of someone always pays. Um, like yep. it doesn't matter how cheap something is. Uh, it's the old adage. There's no such thing as a free lunch is, is very true. You know, there's always someone out there who's mm. paying the price and it's a question it, of, yeah. And, and also just a lot of it is just marketing book depositories, free shipping. What that just means is they just put it in the cost of the book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's just a discounted book. It doesn't mean you're getting it for free, but we hear free shipping and that's great. We like the sound of that. So it, know, it's either that generally still cheaper than and it's generally devices. still cheaper. Yeah, there could, it can also come off the bottom line of the publisher's profit. Mm. Also, the um, I think the thing with book depositories, they used to get a subsidy from the British government, right? Because of where the physical company was located. Yeah. But then when they got bought by Amazon, right. people got kind of upset because they were like, "We were subsidizing a small company. Yeah. Now we're subsidizing." Right. A monolith, yeah. Like, yeah, that's, not great. yeah that's a that's a whole nother conversation. But put it this way: I think it, the introduction of Amazon Australia just provides so much work. Like, mm. all these unemployed journalists who's got really nothing to do except you know they have to write articles about the death of publication. <laughs> so you got to give them a job. So right. well done. <laughs> Very Sorry, good. A little bit cynical. <laughs> no, um, well, yes, they're interesting. Anyways. Mm. Um, in in one way, at least, Amazon coming to Australia will let uh, self-publishers have better access to mm. um, their publishing space and purchasing their own books, mm-hmm. for instance. Mm. That'll be good because it won't take you like three weeks to get a copy of my book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. My book like can it. come to you in less than two weeks, probably, uh-huh. when, yeah, they, when they're go. publishing here. Wasn't, isn't Amazon... Uh, we're talking too much about Amazon, but uh, mm. um, isn't Amazon one-day delivery in some place in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, yeah. Same day delivery. So yeah. um, when I was in the states, actually, I did. I ordered yeah. some stuff. It came next day. I mean, that was in California. Yeah, and I mean, they they just ship it out overnight, and they've got planes running. It's so crazy. Yeah. It, mm. That's the the size of the infrastructure, and yeah. you know, it's, I mean, it may not be quite that fast in Australia, but no, nothing ever. I don't is. think the UK has the same overnight thing, no. as far as I know. It's no. the size of the industry but in the US that does. At it. least it'll still be available locally. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Price um, will reflect that. Mm. Yeah, so that'll be good for indie publishers, mm. self publishers. Yeah. yeah. But I should t- take us through to the next section now. Yeah? Mm. So, what have you guys been watching? Oh. Well, uh, look, I've been uh, getting on with Veep, which has been really great. Still enjoying Veep. Uh, continues to develop and is a very uh, great series to watch. Um, also discovered that there's a whole lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine that's come out, which I had totally forgotten about. So, I've been catching up Do on Do you that. like that show? I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Crime. Really love it. Uh, you guys watch? It's, it a com- it's comedy. My comedy. brother does. Okay. I um, do not like it. I, it, it takes a little while to get into it, mm. but it gets better as it goes. Okay. So, like, it starts... It, it's office style. Yeah, office style. It starts out uh, worse than it continues. Sure. So, like, at the first few episodes, I remember watching and going, oh, you know, is this really going to be any good? But, yeah, I really I really like it, and it has a strong cast who just get better with time. So, up in my highly recommended uh, list, and, like, coming back to it was really great. Having not watched it in a long time, I was like, oh, yeah, this is still fantastic. Because um, we just stopped watching it and forgot. Uh, but yeah, that's that's been the main thing that I've been watching, and uh, haven't really um, seen any movies. I know I've got to get out there and see uh, Thor's out this week uh, as of recording time, and I've got to see uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. 
Um, but I have been reading, uh, and so I was reading Silverchair last time that we were on air. I finished Amazing. that. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. And then I, I just was like, well, off the back of that, straight on to the last battle. So I just mm-hmm. stormed through <laughs> last battle, which was fantastic. Like just a great to reread that and terrible uh, book. <laughs> terrible book. Ooh, contention. Well, that's all right. Fight. Uh, it destroyed the series. It said, now there's nothing else. Yeah, but then that's <laughs> quite brilliant. How many people have done that? Like, I don't know anyone <laughs> who's actually courage. Yeah. written the destruction of their uh, universe and yeah. said, that's it, yeah, no it more. Quite a few interesting elements. It was yeah. probably yeah. my favorite of the books. I think so. It's, it is... Uh, and I remember, like, I was really sad when I read it as a oh, kid. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what was so compelling about it as well. Yep. Like, this can't even. Absolutely. Surely he would. Incredibly emotional. He couldn't. I just love the type of world they had in that last book where everything mm. was kind of really dark and creepy and it weird. It was surreal. Yeah, there yeah. was a, yeah. a little bit of surrealism to And the moment, the time like, as a kid who was reading pretty safe books uh, when I read that, like, when he gets to Tash um, coming <laughs> running through and, uh, you know, this, this uh, horrible beast appearing, yeah. I, I absolutely, like, that really captured me. I remember, I could tell you where I was sitting when I read that scene. I can remember it vividly because uh, as a kid and I saw that illustration. And I used to love rereading that section because it always gripped me. Um, so yeah, rereading that was really special and, um, you know, further up and further in and all that stuff. So that was really, really great. And then I went to switch gears and I've started reading, uh, John Lacar's Spy Who Came In From The Cold, the first book he, uh, he published. How are you finding that? I'm struggling at the moment as, as, as it started out, but I'm, I'm reading on in, uh, in expectation that it'll get better. And I think I'll come back to it later on when we get to our topic, because I, I think there's a bit to say yeah. for the topic based on that. Yeah, so that's what I've been up to. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, well, if we're on literature, I might hijack Joel's yeah, part for this bit yeah. because I've been reading or started to read a, um, a book about Alexander Pushkin, um, the father of modern Russian language. Hmm. So um, it's good. It's a it's a dual language book, so it's got um, yeah. history of his his upbringing, his school he went to, all kinds of things. So yeah. it's very interesting. It has like little poet snip, poem snippets on each page and pictures of his childhood and. Wow, so it sounds like quite. Uh, it's not like a, just a straight up biography. No, kind of no, thing. it's biography with all the extras included. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Does it hold your attention with all the extra bits in there? Then does that help? Yeah. No, a lot of it. It's like he'll they they'll talk about something specific. Like this, you know, talks about him getting entrance into one of the most exclusive schools mm-hmm. of the area, and then it shows like a poem about how well one of his poems, obviously, where he wrote about this school. And his experiences in it, things like that. So it's very, very interesting to see how his. I mean, he was mm. an extensive writer. So um, right. he has all kinds of things he wrote about. So they can pull poems about all parts of his life. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't read Russian, so you say it's in. Is it yeah, in, could yeah. I could I read it? You can read it. Yeah, because it's in English and, and Russian. So okay. Yeah. What do you, What do you mean by and Russian? Is that like? I mean, it's like the top half of the book is in Russian. It's so oh. is, is it English. is it the same though? Exactly, yeah. Okay. It's the same okay. Right, right, right. Interesting. Yeah. So you could in a so weird way. Yeah, as well. you could learn yeah. Russian while reading a book about the guy who is the yeah, father of the father Russian. I <laughs> wonder if that was the point. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, that just makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm sounding mm. like, mm, that's really weird. No, it's not weird <laughs> it's at all. Not weird. No, it's really obvious. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, oh, it's cool. A, it's a good read, though. Mm. Um, Very interesting. I also watched a B a B grade. What do you call it? B grade film. Mm. B movie. Yeah. B movie. B movie. Like yeah. It wasn't the B movie. Oh um, goodness. Not the not the B movie. <clears throat> not yeah. the B movie. Um, what was it called? The Shallows. Okay. Because I'm always a stickler for watching things that criminalize great whites. Oh, I was just about to say. 
Isn't that a horror it's, movie? Yeah. Of course why? I couldn't watch oh, it. Oh, wait. Face, is this the, 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 the surfer? She goes yeah, out yeah. and then... Why'd you watch that? It's... Because I, I, I hate great white sharks, so I like. Okay, to, so you're a masochist. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, but wait. And then afterwards, I read a review saying, you know, these <laughs> movies are bad for great white sharks, and I was like, yeah, but they're terrible creatures, and you know, <laughs> yeah, they they do kill anything in their path just for the fun of it, and you, you know, what's yeah. <laughs> there's, but, a com- um, there's a but, yeah, couple there's marine biologists who are gonna freak they out are, right they now. They are gonna freak yeah. out, and. Oh. Um, so you recommend people watch The Shallows? Nah, not really. Do you recommend right. people go into The Shallows? It does have a very... <laughs> no. <laughs> Do not enter the ocean. And right. Yeah. Okay, so... Mm. You, but you, are, you you wouldn't recommend people watch I it. I wouldn't but really recommend people watch it because it was a bit... It, yeah. It had the horror elements there that you kind of expected. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you, you kind of expected everything that was happening, but it also... I don't know. He kept throwing in bits that didn't make sense, yep. which you know B grade films like to do. Yeah, but is it really a B movie though? Yes, it says it is. I've, <laughs> is I've, it a B movie? I'm not is an expert an on B movies. It says B movie. Oh, also oh, it's intentionally trying to yeah, kind of trashy. It's interesting, isn't it? Because right. like when you think about it, this is this is something and that it I wasn't with. horribly horribly mm. trash either. Yeah, like it but was it well was filmed. horribly like it was trashy. it was actually well well filmed, which was right. Good for a B B film, really. Mm-hmm. It's like it looked better than Jaws, for instance. But wow, yeah, it didn't have as good of like the, the story style. Wasn't yeah, as good. yeah, I mean, it's interesting that uh, also the benefit of time. Sorry, <laughs> no, it's, it's like, it's like <laughs> you've Hollywood been trying to say that for the last three years. No. Continue. Oh, oh, and yes, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood sometimes tries to like fake their way into like oh, you know, like the um, the Blair Witch Project kind of mm. thing, which was ah, like, faked yeah. as being a bad like intentionally. So is it one of those movies where they're kind of like oh, it's a B movie, but isn't really but it's got the budget of a hollywood movie yeah you know what i mean is it that kind of because I've, I've heard of it before yeah That's same all. so if i've heard of it that doesn't seem like a full-on b movie to me also um mm, i'm not sure is yeah. it like um cloverfield oh cloverfield i enjoyed cloverfield have you guys seen 11 cloverfield lane though no it's completely different right it's like fantastic a- so good, yeah, one hundred percent. I see the uh, eyes bulging. Is like you're not terrifying. To tell us about it's, it. <laughs> it's a thriller, but a really good thriller. Like really well done. I love self-contained thrillers, like yep. in a small environment. It I was, like that stuff. It was adapted <laughs> to be a spiritual successor to, which I know is a horrible term, but it's like a spiritual successor to Cloverfield. It was originally, mm. I believe, uh, done as a for a for a festival film, mm. and uh, like, but it ties in so well. I. Just absolutely recommend that you watch it. Um, is it the original director and writer? Yeah, yeah the whole thing is brilliant. Right. So, um, yeah, you you got to see it. The, the cast, mm. the whole movie will have you on, on the edge of your seat without trying to be too cliched. Yeah, um, I, I loved it. There you go. I've, I've forgotten. I need go. to advocate for this movie. Definitely go see it. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Anything else? Anyways, after after the shallows, I'm going to steal Joel's thunder, or maybe I shouldn't steal Joel's thunder. No, I won't steal Joel's thunder. <laughs> wow, it's okay. You stole it twice. Oh, I mean, yeah, how, have you how, got how, any how much thunder? thunder? How much <laughs> thunder do I have left? I mean, I've got no thunder. Sorry, just we'll let Joel. We'll let Joel start it off. Yes, and I'll, just got a little lightning. I'll come in later. Um, okay, so we we actually well, by we I mean mm. Ian will probably have to close his ears because we're going to talk about Blade Runner. Oh, Ian. Not oh, right. Yeah, go for it. Both um, Luke and I watched. You can Blade do it without spoilers. I'm a heavy man. Yes. Yes, we Great. can do it without spoilers. Uh, there's not much to spoil. Um, so, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> I, so, uh, so, for people who don't know, I watched Blade Runner quite late. I watched it... Oh, it was like I was at uni and I was writing a piece about AI mm. and then a friend of mine was like, dude, you 
that you ripped the plot out of Blade Runner. Mm. I was like, I haven't seen Blade Runner. He was like, mm. you should see Blade Runner. Because you ripped the plot out of it. Yeah, and, I, and then I wrote, saw Blade Runner. I was like, wow, I ripped the plot out of Blade Runner. So I stopped writing that. But I really liked Blade Runner. Mm. I thought it was a really... And, and there's a couple things I think is important to couch the, this discussion we're going to have. Blade Runner is a crime noir mm. set in a cyberpunk world. Yeah, that's, that, that's the, the basic genre is a crime noir. Mm. So with that in mind, uh, the first film, even though it did dwell a little bit on some philosophical repercussions of AI in society, it's very much window dressing, mm-hmm. right? And it's really good at doing it. It's mm. not and what I'm not trying to say it's shallow. I'm just trying to say that it's great setting. Mm. Uh, the antagonist, played by Rucker Hauer, probably the best role he's ever been in. Um, mm. Sublime. The last 20 minutes of that movie legitimately just cements that film as a really strong mm. cyberpunk film. Yeah. So with that in mind, I, I quite enjoyed um, that film. But I wouldn't say like I'm a I'm a purist or anything like yeah. i i didn't mind that they were making a new blader and i wasn't yeah. up in arms about it um and there's the thing i always say is that i like it when adaptations are brave they don't mm. try and yeah, yeah that's the first time i've heard you say that hmm. uh, well, i mean to you maybe <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't talk to you very much uh I think he always <laughs> says anyways yeah. Yeah. um <laughs> but i like i like adaptations to uh it doesn't have to be a completely but this is what the original was this is what the sequel was it makes complete sense that the two are related yeah. that one of the reasons why I didn't like the new Star Wars movies was yeah it was just, just the old Star Wars and yeah. just like new characters <laughs> and it's, it's the same plot yeah um, obviously that's the point but that's not what I wanted um, <laughs> just make a new one of the six make call uh, number six again yeah, yeah. And, and the prequels are bad but at least yeah. they tried something kind yeah of four thing, right? sorry four um, yeah. four uh, so Blade Runner I felt like everything that was related to the original movie was mm. not good. Mm. I didn't like Harrison uh, Ford's inclusion in yep. the film. I didn't like another character, no spoilers, mm-hmm. inclusion in the film. Like, th- they were cool for me. I was like, oh, that's cool. But it, it really felt like shoo- shooing in the yeah yeah the, the homage. It's like, yeah, oh, yep. look, that's why it's Blade Runner yeah. still. Um, mm. So that's so true, that, that's true. Yeah, so that was one element that, like, if you think about the scene where Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling's character meet, I thought it was really silly. Like, there was a scene in the theater, and you know the one I'm meaning with the punching. It's just like, uh, <laughs> I was actually kind of uncomfortable. I was like, this is really awkward. It just felt to me like Harrison Ford's got to the stage where he just wants to punch some people before he stops acting. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know when Harrison Ford's acting and when he's just Harrison cranky Ford. Harrison yeah. Ford. And that's lovable in its own way. We like Harrison Ford, but, yeah. like... Mm. Anyway, so that was weird. He needs um, to have a Rocky film then. Yeah. Mm. Harrison Ford's Rocky. <laughs> Goodness. There you go. Uh, then he just stopped doing all these movies. Uh, um, <laughs> and so, so that that really not great. The film's also damn long. Like, yeah. it's three hours long. Wow. And I felt... That I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. I felt okay. every minute. Like, really? I looked at my watch because I in the middle of the film, and this is coming from a guy who really likes Danish movies, who, like, nothing happens in them. Mm. So you have to take it with a grain of salt that I actually really do like slow-paced films. Mm. But I just don't think it deserved to be slow. Mm. Right? Like, think about the plot of this film. What is the plot of this film? The plot of this film is about, in one sense, discovery. Um, And and 
in essence, it's a film that is, again, a crime noir with yeah. a twist. Hmm. It shouldn't tr- pretend to, to be, be something. Else. It's yeah. not. It is not. Uh, and, and I will say one thing. It's a beautiful film. Why are you smiling, Ian? I have to know. It's good. No, I like it. <laughs> I'm just listening. It's All right. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't believe it's you. It's well shot. It's a very well shot film. Mm. Um, mm. And I, I, I like every scene in the film, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you're probably wondering, if you like every scene in the film, then why do you think it was too long? I don't... It, it, it felt indulgent. Yeah, right. It was obviously good. Mm. It's like when someone knows how to write prose. Yeah. And yeah. you know they know how to write prose. And, and they, they know, know they know yeah, how to write prose. <laughs> and they're just writing prose because they know how to... You know and they know and they know how to write prose. was George Arrow, no. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, maybe. wow. <laughs> His anyway. name was Robert Jordan. Um, yeah. oh. Oh. Sorry, actually. Sorry. Yeah. I said knows prose. Anyway. Um, no. <laughs> but uh, this film knows its cinematography. So it wants you to know that it knows it's cinematography. Right. Yeah, and you kind of yeah. see the problem here. Okay. And there's just a lot of the characters, Ryan Gosling's character, just traveling places. And uh, like all of that can be cut. And you still have the same setting. You still have everything. The film, right. one, didn't look anything like the original Blade Runner, which is fine. That's mm. not a criticism. But that means that... Uh, uh, they would. They obviously tried to bring in some things like the pyramid, the ziggurat-shaped buildings, the very yeah. cyberpunk, um, Shadowrun-esque, mm. um, and it's a great again, great-looking film. But there's just a lot of nothing right. in the middle of the movie. So Definitely just, in the I middle. really, I have to disagree on that. I think that mm-hmm. with um, with the style of dystopia that it was, mm. it really fit well that it had a lot of nothing in there. Mm. I think it it added to the character of dystopia. It's saying, look, this is what the lives are. It's a lot of just nothing you go here you go there there's nothing in between you got this i mean you can show that with still being interesting like to me the original interesting the (laughs) the 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 original showed it while keeping the pace up Mm. the the originals never flagged it didn't feel like it was talking about the emptiness of a dystopia though it did uh, especially when i mean the thing about it is it's just it It felt very full in that cyberpunk technically is not just about like it's cyberpunk um at, it, at its core, its genre, origin, roots, William Gibson, Neuromancer, all that kind of stuff, is very much closer to the original Blade Runner mm-hmm. than this mm-hmm. Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. This Blade Runner felt cyberpunk light. Right. Because of okay. this whole distance thing, we went to more generic dystopia than we did cyberpunk. Hmm. But and it's also the world as it has progressed. Of course. Which is talking further dystopia and less. Sure, but it's, it's, it's not a massive amount of time between the years. It's pretty far for a dystopia. Yeah, it, no, no. It's not be a process very quickly. I, do, I don't mean um, it's physical time. I'm, I'm talking about the time from the first movie to the second movie. Uh, not a lot of time passed. Um, what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like 30 years, you mean? Yeah. Like, right. The, the so you feel like years, 30 years is the, a very the long tone, time in a dystopia. Uh, that's mm. true. But the tone of the entire Every world can't shift. shifts the tone. It makes it darker and makes it longer, makes it bleaker. Makes it darker, makes it bleaker. It doesn't make it boring which mm. I felt like the middle of the film was. It was just like nothing. And the thing is, I don't think that achieved anything. Obviously, feel free to disagree. But mm. for me, that, that, was, that was that. Okay, so that, that's the setting we d- mm. talked yeah. about. Um, dialogue. Um, the best dialogue in the film mm. belongs to the interactions between the AI, mm. um, Ryan Gosling's virtual... Uh, character yeah mm. there's an ai in there yeah, yeah it's mm. it's ai i mean 
later on. It's got AI. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, Ryan Gosling's specific relationship with uh, mm. a very close AI to him was great. Mm. Everything mm. about that was great. The dialogue was good. The imagery was good. There's a particular scene. Several. That, mm. that, but there's one particular <laughs> scene where another human comes in. Fantastic. Really well shot scene. Mm. Every other piece of dialogue in the movie was bad. It was really bad. Mm. There was a scene where, and this is not word for word, but it practically is. It's like, you don't have a soul. It's all right. Souls aren't that great. Like that, that, That's pretty much some of the dialogue in this film. Really right. ham-fisted, really shooshed. Again, mm. it felt like... Also, the villain of the movie. Talk about dialogue. My goodness, he had the worst lines ah. in the film. They, that was a little they, unfortunate. They, yeah. they were like, make a godlike industrialist and let him talk in metaphors, and that's it. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm. So. so all he does is just wax lyrical about nothing. Like, he's actually saying nothing. Right. His actual so point... technically, it's not a spoiler. Technically. Yes, yeah, fine. His actual point <laughs> is probably uh, really simple. Really, really stupidly simple. Mm, but the yeah. way he has to... It oh, didn't come through because it was... Go yeah. about the it and, and Jared much, yeah. Leto it because the character's played by Jared Leto. And I feel mm. really sorry for Jared Leto. Maybe one day he'll get a role where we actually get to see if he's a good actor or not because, honestly, he's been in all these roles, which makes he's, me think... He was brilliant in uh, Del Spires Club. Yeah. Um, you mean ter- outside ter- of that? Terrible right? yeah. outside of that. Like, Jared Leto, man. He needs to pick roles better. Um, this Buy one, that agent, Jared, if you're listening. Yeah. Did, Buy that agent. Yeah. <laughs> but read my book first. That's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> yes, Jared. Read Luke's book. Um, but, yeah, the character was just not great. Dialogue was awful. Every time he opened his mouth, I was like, oh, this is bad. This mm. is bad. And, and the, there's, a, there's a particular line of dialogue in the original Blade Runner by the villain at the end of the movie. It was, like, ad-libbed. It wasn't even in the script. Yeah. Best line. Such okay. a like emotional, heart stringy moment. It doesn't try to be philosophical. Right. He's just stating it like it is, mm. but it's beautiful. So it sounds to me like uh, Luke enjoyed the tone and pacing. Joel, you felt it was a bit overblown, and the uh, the script was a bit off in your mind. Yep. Lacked in lacked in depth. Mm-hmm. Luke, what do you think? I I will say yes, yes to those. Um, I feel. So when I when I came out of it, I was like, that was probably the best rendition of a short story. Oh, okay. Like yep. that is, if that if you wrote a short story, that is the perfect way to show it. That's hmm. a hell of a long and short I think story. It doesn't matter when you portray a short story; it, you can go as long and short as you like. It's, yeah, three it's hours. about the imagery. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just happy with it's the fair, time, yeah. to be honest. Hmm. But um, even, no, I know what you even mean. some of the dialogue from the the um, the foe. Hmm. The, the antagonist, that's the word. Mm. I'm a writer. Mm. Um, so even some of the dialogue from the antagonist, I thought, fit well with certain short story styles. Mm. It's it, it's like it's not... It, it has enough sort of uh, vagueness that you'll be left thinking, but it's it's not it's not as deep as it should be, right? You're right, mm. Joel. But um, it has enough sort of vagueness that you've, you can attach a few... Hmm. pseudo meanings hmm. to it like short stories like to do because hmm. they don't you know like a novel kind of has to explain everything hmm. but a short story kind of throws more ideas at you hmm. um, I did have I'm not this problem is I can't go into spoilers but I did have a couple of issues with um, some of the um, character explanation but hmm. 
generally I thought it was the way you should show a short story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I can just ask, yeah, sure. so Joel, you mentioned that you feel like it's uh, it does a good job of um, it do- the parts which you didn't like were the parts where it kind of threw back to the original Blade Runner. Mm. Um, I think that there's a movie out there which, in my mind, which did the best job of um, of doing that uh, was actually Get Smart when they yes. remade it. That yep. was the perfect Great. example for me where they just did their own thing. Mm. They took mm-hmm. the key elements they needed to take Absolutely. and when they did do a direct homage to the original, it didn't even last that long. No. Like he, you know, it was very funny and yeah. it was like, okay, that's it. And it's almost like they were self-referencing mm. what they were doing. Mm. And that to me, you know, worked so well. So they I understood think- like, if we do this too much, it's gratuitous. So let's not. Yeah, that's right. And thing. I think that's a mistake maybe some of the superhero movies out there sometimes make is that they just <laughs> oh, kind of... Like the most recent uh, Spider-Man, for example, at least had the... Um, was that It's gone out and done things quite differently. Yeah, it was um, a comedy. Yeah, it, it yeah, was a comedy drama instead. So, yeah. yeah, it's a young person's movie. Marvel hasn't oh, done yeah. a lot of those, actually. I, I, I watched them like, I cannot relate to any of this teen yeah, drama. Yeah, it's a teen. It's a teen but film. I still enjoyed it Apparently for Apparently it's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's good fun. Yeah, um, and has a good and Michael twist. Keaton, <laughs> Michael Keaton anytime, Michael Keaton anytime. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, just a quick thing. I know I'm writing on this a lot. Um, one one of the things that uh, there's something you said vagueness. Um, I think subtlety is good. Mm-hmm. I think vagueness is bad. Mm. I think you you can you can say something without saying it. You're referencing something, but once you become vague. It's just imprecise. It's true. And uh, precision's important. In short stories, I think precision is incredibly important. That is important. true, yeah. Um, mm. But it's not... I'm, I don't mean to be semantic about it, but, like, um, the the thing that was curious to me about Blade Runner is that I think it um, it's a good example of what popular cinema hmm. tries to make and a intellectual uh, moment or mm. a, uh, a moment of uh, philosophical depth. Yeah. They, instead instead of talking about philosophy or, or d- dealing with those topics, mm. they rely on spectacle. Mm. Right, yeah. Spectacle That's over um, actual depth is, mm. is a thing that my... Uh, I went to the movie with a friend and that's something he mentioned to me. It's like... Films today rely on spectacle. It's Colosseum syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, we, yeah. So it's there's this scene where um, it's a well done scene. Again, this film is very well done. Mm. Um, it's a great flick. I don't think it's a good film. Um, it, there's a scene where he, the the antagonist, sort of like Weird. holds yeah. a well. like form, and it looks mm. like a maker in clay. Mm. Great mm. looking imagery, mm. but it 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 doesn't doesn't impact us like it should right mm. but it's a great scene again the whole spectacle mm. of uh, of any kind of mm. depth to it but mm. yeah the, the, i won't i won't go on it's it's i still think you should see it i think it's a great film mm. um and it's ryan gosling's best role uh okay. he was really good and that ai i mentioned Again, those two characters... Probably one of the best things in film. Best almost. characters, a great depiction of AI. I'm a big AI fan hmm. Um, hmm. and loved it. Really interesting. And cool. not just about AI, but just about human relationships. Hmm. So good. But, uh, I think that yeah. about wraps up our time for um, hmm. film today. We've um, hopped on just a little bit, but... Um, hmm. Yeah, sorry. So, <laughs> thank, <laughs> you, thank you guys. Um, let's try and tackle a topic... Of the journey to publication. 
Mm. Now, long, long time ago in galaxies far, far away, mm. people used to write books, send it to publishers and get published. Mm. Not always successfully and only if they had male pseudonyms. <laughs> but that changed gradually and obviously other people got published as well. Mm. But now we're seeing more and more that... Um, that process has changed. So, hmm. Joel, tell us more. It's um, something I was talking to Ian about before the podcast as well. Um, hmm. I, this is something I heard from a friend is that there are no first-time authors today. Hmm. People who get published have done their hours. Hmm. They may have done it unseen, yep. but they've been working. They've been writing, perfecting their craft, hmm. And really, a lot of the time, we're hiring editors before we even send it to a publisher yep. because that's almost expected today. This is very <laughs> different to what it used to be mm. um, when you know you would you'd print out your manuscript and you'd send it off. It used to be the publisher's role was mm. yeah the, editing. The, yeah, exactly because the, <laughs> a publisher would be able to see a diamond in the rough. Yep. Right. That that. But now they want the diamond, mm. and they want the they do the polishing, mm. but the diamond is, has to be there because yep. I, th- I, and I think you can talk about this as well, Ian, but mm. it's just, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Right. It's yep. an investment for the publisher to mm. be, this writer has to produce really good work. Mm. And do we really want to invest the time into making them, a, you know, an author yeah or do we just want really good work and given the fact that more people are writing today than they ever have Hmm. you know the chances of that are higher they can't just pull anyone off the street anymore yeah Mm. yeah no it's a a challenge and i I think that it's a good point to say that um there's no such thing as a first time Mm. first time author getting published and it's it's frustrating because the apocryphal stories continue to um to circulate of the person who submits their first book gets published first time like that the it does happen, but I think that you're, you're, um, it's unwise to rely on that happening to you when it's so rare. Um, and I think that's that's kind of the, the bottom line to those stories. Though I'm sure there are people who are listening who are still holding on to hope. And look, hope is a great thing. So um, as for myself, uh, I have... I, I did... I, did um, I think I've always been a realist when it comes to, to publishing. Mm. And look, the industry has to change uh, to reflect the times. Self-publishing is a very real... Uh, thing and self-publishing has not necessarily meant an increase in quality, but it certainly has meant an increase in quantity. Absolutely, mm. aka you know the white noise out there. You mm. know you'll find millions of eBooks on uh, on Amazon, and many of them will be self-published and probably exclusively on Amazon as well. So there's so much selection out there um, that for the publishing world you have to get cut through. Um, mm. So that's that's a challenge, but. And that also impacts publishers themselves when they're trying to look for mm. someone good to publish. They also measure you against the self-published people, mm-hmm. which there will be good and bad, but, you know, they're still making money. Yeah. Yeah, because the bottom line is that in publishing, you, you do have to make money or else your business isn't going to survive. That's the, the cold hard truth of it is that you have to make money. Um, and it's it's an interesting one that, that to get to that point of actually uh, being picked up by a publisher, you have to put in a lot more work these days. So I, I know that's certainly been my experience of um, of my journey, and I've, I've shared pretty openly what I've been going through. Um, and I engaged an editor this year. Uh, now, my concern, I think, about a 
about the changes, there's, there are, I'm sure, some positives to be found on this, but I'd say most of the changes actually are more challenging. Mm. Um, and I would be concerned if, if, um, if writing became more, uh, more inaccessible to people who don't come from a wealthy background or from a background, not wealthy, but you know, a, a background where they can afford to hire an editor because it's not cheap. It isn't mm. cheap to hire an editor to look at your work. So, and it, especially it, not for if you're starting out. No, not if you're starting out. No, because that's a big investment with, yeah, with no no immediate return. So you've really got to know you're ready to jump in. You know, it's it's one of those interesting things, and I guess this this topic, you know, and we've we've talked about this a lot as the three of us, um, and I think it's good that you know we we talk about you know the the mm. road to publication because it's all very apt to us as well mm. um so this is a personal this is a personal um topic as much as anything um and we're definitely not saying like we're the the be all and end all in advice but, oh. mm, mm. <laughs> but we're, we're definitely you know gi- giving some hints and just our personal experience but one of the things um i was thinking about this uh, the other day uh someone said that every writer who's been published it's because they have um, someone else who was able to shoulder what they couldn't. Okay. You, yeah. You are allowed to be a writer because of the generosity of someone. Mm. Yeah. Whether that's the spouse, parents, whatever. It is the sacrifice on those people mm. be, because there is, there is a, a certain degree that writers have to be selfish. Mm. And, and that means that that's tough mm. and that's not easy. And, mm. Uh, you know, one of the things I was, when I did that article about Lovecraft was Lovecraft was a dying breed. Um, Mm. he he believed in, you know, the, uh, aristocracy and that he was a gentleman and a gentleman means you don't work, right? You don't have to get a job. Mm. You're a gentleman. You, You survive off your money. Um, and then you write. And, and generally that was how it, that's how writing happened Mm. because these are people we're usually on the upper echelon of society yeah. that could afford that kind mm. of lifestyle yep. to support their writing. But as society is becoming a lot more, for mm. the most part, and this, this probably will not go down well, is, is evening out. Mm. Um, there, is a, there is a mix of, of classes. Yep. So uh, lower class uh, people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds mm. There's a there's a difference, right? Yep. We we don't have the crust, the the, the you know the mm. that to rely on. That means that in in one one sense, yeah, because of that evening out, we have the chance to do that. Mm. You know, if if we went back to to um, you know Dickens, mm. I I would definitely not be able to write. It yeah. just wouldn't be feasible mm. for me to write. Mm. Yeah. Right. Um, it was the the upper the upper class that was able to do that, mm. and because now we have the opportunity, guess what? It's also tough. Mm. <laughs> yeah, true. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's true. That's true. Luke, what do you, what do you think? I think one of the harder things for, especially the starting out um, people who may be listening, mm-hmm. is that yes, you've got to invest some money in editing. Yes, you've got to. Um, put a little more time into it but the the trouble the, probably the hardest thing is knowing whether you're picking the right piece of writing to run with because mm-hmm. mm. um, yep. I know for myself especially I've um, I liked the um, the first book that I published mm-hmm. but it probably wouldn't have been my first choice if I'd known I'd write other things and right. um, 
and all the money I put into art for that, it's great and it looks nice. I, I'm very happy with that. But, mm. but um, if I'd approached a publisher and got a publishing deal, they probably would have seen something specific that I could run with right. that I may not have seen. And now we don't have that capability quite as much because mm-hmm. we have to try and judge it ourselves. Yep. Mm. So that's, that's what I think is a bit more tricky these days because we have to make the judgment on what we throw an editor at. We don't say, hey, editor, do you like this one that I wrote or this one that I wrote or this one? And mm. it's like, well, just give me one. I'll edit it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, may, if it's a close friend, maybe sure. Maybe they might have a, have some comments on it, but mm. it's not the same sort of level as a publisher would take a look yeah. and mm. criticize how it would sell if you've got a certain talent in an area that's, that's not an editor's role. They're not so, talent pushes. They're not talent pushes. Mm. They're, I, they're just word fixes. It's, mm. it, it's curious. Story fixes. Um, um, the 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 idea is I've I've seen it. Uh, a lot of publishers sometimes a writer mm. will go up, and the the publishers with foresight will yep. will see and say mm, might not work. Do you have anything else? Because we like yes. your style. Yep. I've heard that so many times. Mm. Yep. So many stories even on this podcast. Mm. Um, and they've gone back and they've get, and that's you know they published and then later on the line mm. they published that book. Yep. Um, but again, that takes getting the right person you know yep. in the slush pile and. Mm. You know, we're focusing on traditional publishing here, and since we did that, you know, segment on self-publishing before, mm. um, but I think the reliance. What, what do you think the reliance in is because of this axis of self-publishing? Mm. What do you think that's done to traditional publishing? Do you think they've had to compete with the market or what? I, I think the the access to self-publishing is is a great thing overall, mm. um, provided people exercise self-discipline. Discipline. And so um, the latest, <laughs> yeah, and I say that because I didn't have any clue. Yeah, I think same. I actually wrote about it. I'm, I literally have a copy here in the Victorian Writer, mm-hmm. the local uh, writing uh, magazine. I wrote about that because they did a DIY issue recently. And I wrote about, hey, you know, this is the... Uh, the mistakes that I made, and, and the first thing I said was I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I, when I started with self-publishing. So I think that it's easy to stumble into self-publishing and just absolutely not know what you're doing, mm. and so the mistakes you make are more public. Yeah, there, there isn't really anyone with their hand on the steering wheel like there used to be. Like it used to be back in the day that a publisher would pick you up and take you from you know starts start through the you know development of your career and that's why when i mentioned john the car mm. much earlier in the podcast you know his first book has not gripped me as much as tinker taylor soldier spy did that was sublime Tinker yeah. taylor soldier spy from from the start and so it, it concerns me like I'm, I'm looking at it and thinking gee someone had to really see in the car hey you know what there's something here when they when they got that yes, story absolutely and of course he did get shot down someone said he'll never be you know there's the famous rejection letter yeah. Lacar has no talent basically <laughs> and i was like okay i can um it's not like that person was sitting there reading tinker taylor soldier spy yeah they were reading the original story this guy had written but inside him was the potential to write tinker taylor yeah mm. uh, so now look i may be singing the praises of the book by the end of it spy who came in from the cold i'm sure i will be but right now, I'm struggling at the beginning of it. And and see, this is something that's also changed, is that you just mentioned something there, and I cut you off. Mm, uh, something you mentioned there, which is really interesting, the intro mm. has changed. Yeah. Yep. Just because of how, how readers, mm. uh, we want to be gripped uh, chapter one. Yep. We, we want to get in. First paragraph. First, first paragraph. First line. Off we go. <laughs> first line. Has to be a snappy one. We got to yep. have that snazzy one-liner right at the start. Like, um, mm. I know I bang on about this, but Alexander Dumas mm. 
yeah. is an adventure novelist. Yeah. You know, he's not he's not highbrow. We think of him mm. like that today. Mm. But Three Musketeers is yeah. an adventure story. The Count yep. of Monte Cristo is an adventure story. We mm. look at it and we're like, oh wow, it's you know, it's Alexander Dumas. But no, he was an adventure novelist. It's French. He must have uh, French literature. It's French. <laughs> but the thing is, he was an adventure novelist, yeah. Yeah. and yet his intros mm. would was a slow burn. Yeah, he didn't feel the need to yeah. to kill a character on the first sentence. I know I sound very critical here, Sorry, but it's, it's just because I think that you know that that would interest the publisher as well, right? Mm-hmm. Is that mm. you'd have the you have the um, the experience to realize yep. readers want to be caught on the first page. Yeah. So as a publisher, you look at that and it says, "Okay, he understands this." Mm-hmm. So he gets it. The right? one like whiplash marketing. Yeah, it's like mm. how many publishers would read a great, you know, f- not great uh, first chapter and think, I wonder if it gets good mm. when <laughs> they look at the entire pile. The mm. fact that I can't take that with a straight face is, yeah, mm. it's crazy. Yeah, because they, they have this giant pile, yep. which is an yeah. actual pile. Yeah. You know, and yep. pe- people, you know, people talk about this, but no, no, no. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> physical yeah. pile. It's their job. So how many are going to spend the time to take it home? Because a lot of publishers take their work home yep. and read it. And mm-hmm. that's, if you think about it, it's awful. Like, Yeah, it's not, a tough one. It's tough on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think also the intro has changed because yeah. of these things, little things like that. Well, there's yeah. also the um, there's the amount of work you have to do in terms of short story publication. So these days, it's about building up your um, your literary resume in many ways to to reflect, hey, mm. you know what, I have pedigree, and uh, you can rely on me to bring you sales. It's not so much about uh, I'm going to sell books in the future. It's more about I have pedigree from the past. So maybe that's the big thing, you know. Social it's media, uh, social media, uh, <laughs> social media. Whoa, you, ooh, Freudian. Wow, anyway, wow, wow. Yeah, uh, sorry, Ian. No, that's um, right. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can find my book. On- <laughs> yeah, there it is. See, yeah, social media. Stick it in there. Um, uh, yeah. So the um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's the big difference. That there's this this pressure to show past success mm. as in order to prove that you're going to be successful. The onus is very much on you now to prove you're going to be successful in the future. Benefit of the to doubt get through the door. I think there are some exceptions. One of those exceptions is who you know. If you know someone, uh, then that can also help you. And I don't say that. If you're a publisher and listen to this, I mean that with no disrespect. That's life in general. If you know someone, it's going to get you through the door. If you're a celebrity, your books are going to sell. And whether or not it's the best quality, um, and I'm not naming names here, but I've seen books before where I've said, wow, I'm surprised that that's published. And then I look at it and I'm like, oh, and there's the author. They have a profile. Now, I fully understand that it's a business and that's got to mm. happen. So that's okay, you know? That's kind of how it is and, and you, you accept that. It would just be nice if they had some... <laughs> <laughs> Look, sad face. A... Yeah, 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 you know what? Weepy face. Yeah. I, I, accept, yeah. I accept the realities of the publishing business and, um, and that's always how it's going to be in anything. And, uh, and generally, you know, uh, you've got people in the, in the business who are good enough that they're going to be able to, to make a book of good quality it's going to be good to read um it's it's not saying as well that uh that shouldn't happen i think what i'm saying is it's just that much harder because the there's a lot of pressure on publishers to get successful books done you know Hmm. to get money coming through the door and that will then enable them and i think we were talking to someone it was a a little while ago where where they uh, talked about knowing a pub- someone who'd been bought on by a publisher because of the money they earned from another book selling so well. Mm, and yeah. I think that that, in some ways, is, is a good thing. 
So if there's one thing you should take from this podcast, it's who you know. Go out there and get to know someone who's really rich and famous. I mean, exactly. <laughs> networking is, you know, it's, it's a joke, but networking is networking, so important, right? Networking is important, for sure. Well, it is. And, and I say, again, just to, mm. I'm not trying to harp on here, but um, networking is important because you actually, ha- it's so hard to stand out that actually getting to know people so that they can say, hey, you know what? This person's going to be able to come to book talks and, you know, they're going to be able and, to deliver stuff. And, 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 no, and, I understand you guys listening it sounds like cancer when you hear this idea of networking being important. For me, it's it sounds like it too. I know, but it's it's really useful. It's, yeah, um, and, and I think it's it's just the reality exists. Whether you accept the reality or not yep. is your choice. Yes, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, it does favor certain personality types over others. Yeah, the nature of that traditional type publishing certainly does. Yep. So you have to learn to to go out there, and I know that's unfair. But that's life. And that is the nature of this industry. And mm. there's something I was saying to Ian before is that you need to define what success means to you. Yeah. Right? Because everyone has a different top of the mountain. You have to f- actually write down what is success. And are you, are you happy? Right? Will you, would you be happy with what you do if you don't like achieve that? You know, say, say, say if your success is, you know, to, to, to get a script made by Ridley Scott and become famous, mm. right? Mm. Just, uh, that's the thing. Yep. Um, you want to be the next Blade Runner. Mm. Will you be happy if it just doesn't happen? Will you yeah. still be like, wow, I, I still like my writing. I'm still pretty happy with what I did. Mm. If you are, great. If mm. you're not, you know. Yeah, you're going to you struggle have, and you yeah. have to push Adju- very yeah, hard. Exactly. Mm. Um, I think I think everyone can uh, can attest to having up and down moments in publishing. You, you take the good with the bad. Um, I, I, you know what? I certainly I'm glad that I'm on this. In some ways, I'm glad that I'm, I'm on this side of things uh, in the writing side, because it's a tough world. Publishers um, they work long hours. People in publishing that they work long hours. They don't get paid uh, screeds of money. It's not it's not a, an industry that rolls in cash, but they do it because they're passionate about it and they love it. And so I'm certainly not here to, to bag them out. Yep. I think that the realities of the industry drive actions, Absolutely. which I understand. And I think that um, that's how we've come to this to this point where there's more pressure on people to prove it as they come along. I think the thing that you can do to make it easier is get alongside other writers. Who uh, who share your passion, get encouragement in the journey, um, don't give up. These are these are the key things. Yeah. Um, and also, the number one thing I say though is to be pragmatic. Like if you if if your goal because Joel's talking about decide what success means for you, and if your goal is to be published, um, try your best to find a way to not be precious about your work, yep. and to listen to the feedback others give you if they if they're saying hey try something else because could be the best thing you've ever done. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to hop on because I know we're, we're out, of time. out of time. Mm, so yeah. Yeah, fine. I'll make this brief. Uh, the, the, I think what Ian said about um, the realities of the industry, that is only exists because of what we read, what we choose to buy. Yep. If you really care about rewarding good writing, read good writing. Yeah. Reward good writing. You know, if you really think certain writing is, you know, why is this getting published? You know, don't buy those books. (laughs) Read good books. On that note, thank you everybody for listening. And what can, where can we find you guys this week or anywhere, anytime? Yeah, so you can find me uh, (laughs) at ihlaking on Twitter or ihlaking.com. Uh, come check it out. Not long until I've got a book cover reveal for uh, the new short story, which should be fun. So uh, yeah, and um, 
I'll probably be t- tweeting about various hashtags. So uh, <laughs> keep an eye out. Uh, come and say hi. Uh, always, always nice to talk to people on Twitter. It's uh, where I love to be. Fantastic. Well, you can find me at the Pen of Joel on Twitter. Um, thepenofjoel.com is my uh, website. I can't remember if I'm doing anything. Uh, probably not. Just assume not. Um, <laughs> I got lost anyways. in the yeah. I got lost in the botanical gardens today. It was a, it was a good good getting lost. That's thing. nice. See, um, there'll be a blog. It's yeah. fine. I had a meeting though in like half an hour, and then I was like, oh, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm lost. Um, yes, that's me. Thanks, Luke. Great. Thanks, thanks for hosting. It yeah, was a good day you. off. Yeah. How about you, Luke? Yeah, where, can you about you? You? Where, where can we find you? You can find me at uh, thesoulshard.com or if you go to my Twitter of at thesoulshard, mm-hmm. uh, you should be able to find my book there. Yeah, hopefully. Fantastic. Go Very good. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>